Well, as I said at the beginning, we are uh, meeting on what is a very special and unusual weekend uh, in this country that we are a part of, aren't we? Uh, I imagine most of us were uh, watching the television yesterday, and sometimes um, when we say that, we say it slightly disapprovingly, don't we? Um, but I, I guess on this occasion, it feels like it was a good thing to be doing, and we'd hope that, that many were. I haven't seen viewing figures at this point, because, of course, you have to be at least 70 years old to have been alive for a coronation in this country before yesterday. And I guess you have to be a little bit older still to actually remember what went on. Um, if you're over 86, I think it is, then this is the third coronation of your lifetime. And they are proper... I'm not going to ask who that is. They are properly rare occurrences, aren't they? Uh, and whether you are young or old, uh, an event like this does mark a significant moment in the life of our country. And so as we celebrate with all of those very British things uh, around the country, many of which we'll be doing here later on, cream teas, bunting, street parties, picnics. I was going to say rain, but I think not today. I think it's coming tomorrow for the bank holiday, which is equally British, isn't it? It is also good to pause for a moment to reflect on what God might have to say to us at a time like this. I wonder, what did you particularly notice as you watched the coronation service yesterday? Was there anything which struck you, or maybe even surprised you, in all of the pomp and ceremony? Um, here's one thing which I noticed. Towards the end of the coronation service, after King Charles had received all those symbols of his reign, you know, the scepter and the, the sword, even the gloves, I wasn't expecting the gloves, and various other things, and after he'd been crowned, and enthroned uh, in all that finery, he then received homage, those pledges of loyalty, didn't he? First from the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, then from the Prince of Wales, uh, and finally from all the people. The Archbishop said, God save the King. And the, the reply which came from around Westminster Abbey was, God save King Charles. Long live King Charles. May the King live forever. May the king live forever. That is quite an interesting thing to proclaim, isn't it? I think it's, it's um, something which has been proclaimed to many monarchs, not just in Britain, but throughout history, at coronations and at other times too. In ancient times, it must have been some standard sort of greeting. I don't know about you, but for me, it immediately makes me think of the book of Daniel. Uh, and when Daniel is taken into the court of King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and he, he says something like, um, he, he pays homage to the king and says, O king, may you live forever. But of course, King Nebuchadnezzar did not live forever, did he? In fact, he didn't even make it to beyond about chapter 4 of Daniel. Uh, the same as every other king and queen that you might think of, whether it's David and Solomon in the Bible, right through to King George VI and Queen Elizabeth II. In fact, we often know kings and queens, don't we, by the years in which they started their reigns and the years in which they died. That's how uh, schoolboys and schoolgirls have been taught history down through the years. William the Conqueror, 1066 to 1087. Henry VIII, 1509, I'm checking them on my notes, to 1547. Victoria, 1837 to 1901, I know that one. Charles, the, Charles III, 2022 to, well, we don't know where his reign will end at this point. Um, he's already lived three score years and ten and a bit more, hasn't he? I imagine he may well reign for a good few years to come. But he won't live forever, will he? He won't live forever. 
and he won't reign forever. Charles knows that, of course. The Archbishop of Canterbury knows it very well, and so does everyone else. So what is that line in the coronation service all about? And why do we say it? Of course, in some ways, it's just it's deferential, isn't it? It's perhaps the most superlative way of paying homage to the new king. Um, in other ways, it could be taken perhaps as referring to the line of kings, expressing a hope that uh, as Charles reigns now, so his descendants will continue to reign on the same throne for all the years to come through the generations. But I want to suggest that like so many things that were there in the coronation service yesterday, so many of the symbols and so many of the words that were said and sung, perhaps the most important thing that that little phrase, may the king live forever, points us to, is Jesus Christ, the king who does live forever and who does reign forever. Um, that reading we've just had from Isaiah chapter 9, thank you, Pauline, uh, may well have sounded familiar to many of us here, I imagine it will have done. Uh, you might well associate it with Christmas, because it's one that we often hear read at our carol services, because it speaks of the child to be born. Isaiah is looking ahead to the, to the Messiah who will come, isn't he? And this is what he says once again in verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. It's a, it's a passage about ruling, isn't it? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. You might want to sing these words. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You can't miss that repeating theme, can you? This king that Isaiah speaks of, of his government, he says, there will be no end. He will be called, what kind of father? Everlasting father. He will reign from that time on, Isaiah says, and forever. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you may be a, an ardent royalist this morning. Maybe you've, um, you're proudly sporting some red, white, and blue. Uh, or maybe you're a staunch Republican, and if that's you, this is probably the weekend not to make too much fuss about that. Funny, isn't it, how royalists are always ardent, and Republicans are always staunch. I don't quite know what that tells us. But whatever your views, this king that Isaiah speaks about is a king who is worth celebrating. And as I said, almost every symbol in the service yesterday contained a pointer to Jesus and to his sovereignty for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. And one of the items presented to King Charles at the uh, onset of his, his reign as, as he is crowned as king, as you'll remember, is the all, the sovereign's all, yesterday. Uh, made of gold, encrusted with jewels. I think it's from 1661, from the coronation of Charles II, and has been used at coronations since. It's a globe, isn't it? Topped with a cross. It's a reminder that Jesus Christ is the one who reigns over all the nations of the world. All the kingdoms, including that of Charles, are subject to him. Or you might think of St. Edward's crown. Uh, I thought the archbishop did very well to hold it so high for so long because it weighs nearly two and a half kilos. And it's encrusted with something like, is it 444 precious and semi-precious stones? And like the orb, 
and various other symbols. It is, of course, topped with a cross. A constant reminder that when Jesus was enthroned, it wasn't on a chair. It was on a cross of execution. And the crown they gave him was not covered with jewels, but was a crown of thorns. Uh, there was a quotation. Um, I don't know if you bought a, a souvenir newspaper yesterday. Most of the, uh, most of the papers did them, didn't they? Uh, this is the Times from yesterday. And on the back of uh, yesterday's Times, there is a quote from King Charles III. It says this, I come not to be served, but to serve. King Charles III, May the 6th, 2023. And of course, that's right, isn't it? King Charles did say those words yesterday. And you probably noticed them right at the start of the service. It was in reply to that child who started off the service, welcoming the new king to the abbey. And the child said, as children of the kingdom of God, we welcome you in the name of the king of kings. Now, what the Times, in its fervent secularism, has omitted to mention on its front cover is that the full reply given by King Charles was a little bit more than just those few words quoted there. This is what King Charles actually said. In his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. What a great way to start the service of coronation with a direct quote from King Jesus himself, who declared that he was not to be like other rulers who seek their own glory, not to be served, but to serve. And as Jesus went on when he said it, to give his life as a ransom for many. That is the heart of the Christian faith that we're reminded of this weekend, isn't it? Both at a coronation service and in communion. That as Jesus took on the crown of thorns and went to the cross, he was doing it to pay the ransom price for his people, to set us free from sin and death. So I want to suggest two things as the Christian people of this nation, as we pray for King Charles. Now, the first is to pray for him because of the great responsibility he has taken on. Who is equal to it? And there was that sense of that as he sat with that huge heavy crown weighing on his head yesterday, wasn't there? Now, we should pray for him. We are called in the Bible to pray for those who are our leaders and for all who hold positions of authority under him, whether or not we agree with them. Pray that he would follow the words of the Bible he was presented with in the service with those words, receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. But second, and even more, because of Jesus, the King of Kings, we really can pray, may the King live forever. Because that is the promise given to all of us, from the mightiest King uh, to every man, woman, and child. We can pray it for Charles. We can pray it for our friends and our family members that in Jesus Christ they would live forever because Jesus is the king who does what no earthly king could ever do. He died so that the spiritual failures of our own lives could be dealt with. Um, he's the king, as I said, who was mocked with a crown of thorns and placed on a wooden cross by way of a throne so that we may be made right with God. And all of us, however low or high we may be, need to put our trust in that king.
in the Bible, going back to the book of Daniel, which I mentioned earlier, he describes a vision of the coronation of Jesus like this. There before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Amen.